We are Wrestling Elitist. I'm your co-host, Chris Scott Moore, joined as always with Sean Nocell Nash. How's it going? I'm doing great. How are you doing? We just witnessed a great pay-per-view, so we're on a pretty big high. Yeah, very much so. Things couldn't be better. Uh, noticeably absent today is uh, Alex Abrahantes Gibson, and because I called him that he actually quit the show so he left no, the, no. uh alex is actually on vacation he's in hotlanta i think he's in atlanta yes. right yeah he's in atlanta originally at one point he was he's been all around the globe i think okay yeah fucking setting up franchises that's fine <laughs> but uh alex is uh on vacation this week so it's just sean and i today and it's going to be a little bit of a different show uh let me just kind of start by saying Again, thanking you for listening to the show. We're going to talk about Revolution today. Uh, we appreciate you continuing to subscribe and listen. Um, if you'd like to continue to support the show, please subscribe to the show via iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. And give us a five-star review to boot. Uh, follow us on Twitter at Wrestling Elitist Podcast and now on Instagram at Wrestling Elitist Podcast. And you can visit the website at WrestlingElitist.com. Uh, just posted on Saturday were my thoughts on the purchase of Ring of Honor. Uh, have a question you'd like us to discuss in the show, email us at uh, wrestlingelitist.com on our platforms and we'll discuss on next week's show. So, Sean, I know we're going to do a little bit of uh, special format today, correct? Yeah, this week, uh, Revolution was just too hot not to uh, give you all that. And we'll discuss a little bit of the news of Ring of Honor being purchased by AEW or Tony Khan specifically. Um, so, I mean, it's just too hot not to do something different. So, we got to do Revolution recap. Awesome. So, okay, let's just start with Revolution. And what we'll do is we'll go down uh, from the start of the show to the top and just run down match by match and go over what we think of each uh, matchup on the card. First, though, just broadly, I thought this was the best AEW pay-per-view of all time. Maybe not as historic as uh, All Out, but I thought it was a great show. Yeah, match to match. Everything was just top-notch. Uh, not a dull moment on the, the card. There might have been, I might say there might be one later, but everything was just so hot and, and perfect. But yeah, all out was, or all in the first one was historic, but this was amazing. Yeah, this was a great show. I think uh, it had something for everyone. And depending on what your tastes are, you had something that was legitimately great for that uh, taste of wrestling. So I think there was something for everyone in spades uh, and it was a historic night. Maybe not, historic in the sense of this landscape shattering news or debut or something along those lines happen, but just from match to match quality wrestling. Exactly. Quality wrestling and a shitload of blood. Yeah, <laughs> just the glorious oh, show yeah. in a long time. American Red Cross is weeping, man. That was every, yeah. every other match was just full of it. Even the, uh, the buy-in show, just three great matches. Like, yeah. The buy-in just, was great too. It was awesome seeing uh house of black and yeah. uh, red beard looked good, even though I, whatever, I don't yeah. ne necessarily need to see him take a roster spot, but he did good in his, uh, in his moments that he had. There were some, some people and some matches that weren't really the highest on my priority that really surprised me throughout yeah. this whole pay-per-view and that and red beard being one of them. Bad surprise was I did not like the new not Kings of the Black Throne theme song. That one. That's not yeah. for me. But theme song not as great, but I do like the fact that they all had masks. Maybe it's a little sweet. bit too much Wyatt family for some people's liking, but I like that they mm -hmm. had like a little bit of symmetry there and they all looked alike and had a thing going on because Buddy Matthews needed to sort of join the group, I think, Blend stylistically. In. Yeah, for sure. So, all right, cool. Let's go from the actual start of the show. It was uh, Eddie Kingston going over Chris Jericho via submission. What were your thoughts on this match, Sean? Uh, this really got the uh, the suplex, suplex train going throughout the whole show. Um, yeah. Jericho really starting to throw him into his arsenal. And then uh, Eddie's got those great Saito suplexes. Uh, just fantastic match. I think I saw online somewhere that someone saying Eddie Kingston didn't need the handshake at the end to turn face. He turned face as soon as he, that match ended, he was the clear baby face. Um, those double spinning back fists at the end off the rebound with the, the ropes into the, it was kind of a weird submission to me. I didn't really see how they were saying it was straining his neck, but otherwise great match uh, right in front of Jericho's family, right in the front row on hard campsite or something. Uh, Great, just great visuals. Eddie Kingston at the end of the match is like, I won. I'm, I won for real. Yeah. 
fantastic. He, he beat the achievophobia. He's a hero in many people's eyes. And good for him. Yeah, for, for, for this match to work, he did need to have that redemption story and have that uh, victory lap here. And uh, like you mentioned, I love that moment at the end where he's, did I win? Did I win? That was great. Uh, I love the, you know, speaking of Japanese references. So before the match, uh, Jericho and Sports Illustrated, uh, granted this is in kayfabe or it's a work shoot, but he just shit on Eddie Kingston about not going to Japan ever. And like, when has this guy ever fucking wrestled in Japan? Just Hilarious. great stuff to really get under the skin and poke at the fan base of people who are supporting Eddie Kingston. And Jericho did go full on, not full on heel, but he was very heelish during the match, flicking off the crowd. Uh, and like any Man, good man. heel that gets his come up and he submitted. And I think the submission was a big thing for Eddie to get him to tap out and, uh, signi- just have significant dominance. Now you mentioned to the handshake as well at the uh, end of the match. It was a fun full circle because he didn't get his handshake uh, or he didn't offer it. He, we wouldn't handshake, excuse me, when he wrestled uh, Brian Danielson and CM Punk. So Eric now Punk, that he's yeah. the winner, now he wants to, uh, he wants to be the one that gives a handshake. Right. Yeah. And I love too the way he just like kind of stormed down to the ring. We, we saw Jericho obviously linger in the, uh, the singing of Judas, but the way he just like took a shirt off on the way down to the ring, straight to business, kind of gorilla up. It's yeah, fantastic. Just great start to the to the show. I'm, I think that was a perfect way to start it. I, obviously, the first four or five matches were fantastic, but this one just kind of fired on all c- cylinders to get you ready for the what's next to come. Yeah, you're right, and I think this was correctly placed. I think if this was placed later on in the show, it would have lost. Uh, maybe some of the magic that it had in this opening slot and maybe it wouldn't have done Definitely. as well compared to the chain match and compared to the uh, uh, Danielson and Mox match. So I liked where it was placed too. I thought it kicked off the show incredibly sure. well. So the next match was the trios or the, the triple threat tag team match with uh, Jurassic Express going over Red Dragon and the Young Bucks. What were your thoughts on this one? Uh, great build to the... Uh the feud that's going to be between red dragon and young bucks. Uh, I think Tony Schiavone kept calling it like a paper thin alliance between the two yeah. completely torn to shreds and uh, JR said some shit, but he was just off all night. Uh, <laughs> fantastic. I think uh, jungle boy is definitely the, the biggest person to shine. I know Alex isn't here, so I'll mention it for him. He shines in these multi multi people matches with just, just fantastic. His work rate throughout the whole match. He, I feel like he was in the ring the whole time. I feel like I said it a couple times to you last night. Fantastic. He hit that, like, it was like reverse hurricane off the top rope into the suplex on Matt Jackson or whatever he did. It's just, he's amazing at just how pliable he is, how fast he can move and the way he can fly through the air and the hair with it all. It just looks fantastic. I loved uh, Red Dragon, Young Bucks, all teaming up on Luchasaurus on the outside, just stomping him, just getting the big man out, do the business on the little guy. It was great. Brandon Cutler did his best to kind of do some little shenanigan shit, but it was funny to see that. And I just a great, great second match to keep this fire going. Yeah, another uh, still sh- show stealer by the Bucks and. This was all offense, all high spots. Uh, everything was executed so crisply, though. Um, and even like traditional high spots you see where it's like a tope or a dive over the ropes. I don't know if you remember this part, but uh, Jungle Boy did. He jumped out after Luchasaurus was going to jump out. And so they go on the other side of the ring and Matt Jackson sold it perfectly by going like, fuck, we should have been smart enough to like not fall for that. And just, that was his expression <laughs> that he had. It was just such a great job selling there. Um, I love that finish of like that weird ass power bomb, the, the suplex power bomb. Oh thing, my God. Yeah. Whatever that I, I can't even describe what the hell that was. That was impressive. Um, again, yeah. Uh, Jungle boy really does steal the show and he occupies so much eyes during the match and he looks great And this match. I think was unique and special too, that Luchasaurus wasn't just, um, the big guy getting a hot tag and not contributed anything. The storyline of the match with both of the heels working on them and isolating them at one at a time and kind of tagging each other in and out to do damage on them, uh, allowed them to shine quite well. So I thought it was a great match too. 
uh, show stealer. This is, uh, again, depending on your taste, this may have been match of the night. And I can't fault someone for thinking that. I thought it was an exciting tag team match. And um, we'll see what happens with their title reign. Probably going to drop it to Danielson and Mox, but we'll talk about that later on in the show because I think that's the new tag team that's set up uh, to challenge. So uh, let's go and move on to the... Oh, one one Um, last thing you want to share. I'm just kind of excited to see where Jurassic Express goes with it. That was a very credible win for them in their their title reign. I would like to hopefully we see... Before we see the Mox and Danielson um, devastating tag team, like maybe we see proud and powerful whatever their name is maybe butchering the blade just some other matches but i definitely see them losing the titles to that awesome tag yeah, team that I, was created i think with the face and heel dynamics so you have in terms of heel challengers you can give the acclaimed another yeah. match they can lose because they can turn face and they're not going to be too hurt by that and you can yeah, have butcher and blade go uh and then i would maybe you do another ftr run real quick and then you do the Danielson and Mox. Maybe that's at Battle of the Belts or maybe that's at uh double or nothing. But yeah, I, I think they should have it until double or nothing because there's still enough heels that they can wrestle and take on. So uh they've mm-hmm. had a good reign, but it wasn't maybe as dominant as the Young Bucks' reign last year, but they still have time and uh we'll see what they uh, have in store for us. So let's move on to the face of the revolution ladder match. Uh Maybe no surprise or surprise, but Wardlow won this match. Uh, very it. impressive. Big guys, big meaty men, slapping thighs. <laughs> yeah, who would think that uh, three big men in a, a ladder match would steal the show? Uh, yeah. the, that throw by Keith Lee of, did he throw Orange Cassidy out of the ring, just like to the other side of the continent? Yeah, good guy. Fantastic. Uh, good on them to put the the gimmick, the most gimmicked ladder, the furthest away from the ring. That way they just tore that ladder apart. And fantastic. You mentioned War, though. It's just such a dumbass for just turning his back on Hobbs and just getting just shoved out the side there. Fantastic. Throughout the whole match, I've, throughout this, even this whole podcast um, that we've been doing, I've been kind of turned off of Orange Cassidy for a while. Yes, but he, he was fantastic through it all. The way he would just kind of come into the ring with the big beef boys and just like think that he's like one of the one of the guys who's over <laughs> two hundred and sixty pounds. Fantastic. Um, the when he did the little pull up onto the top as they're pulling oh. both sides of the ring, just so clever. Uh, everyone kind of got a little bit of shine. Uh, there was a little weird moment at the end when Ricky Starks took that power bomb to the to the ladder and there's the history with his neck i feel like i did see something online that he is okay so that's good to see kind of looked like he just kind of braced for it a little too early or something but otherwise fantastic ladder match and uh i yeah we all called this last week with wardlow taking the the brass ring yeah and much deserved and it's going to kick off a larger storyline as we saw later on in the show uh yeah it's so funny that like it looks like it was a botch of ricky stark's powerbomb that he took at the end i watched it uh earlier in the day and it wasn't so much as a botch as like wardlow just didn't like pull him down at a harder clip so like it wasn't it wasn't like he fucked up or it was like a botch spot he just didn't like the visibly try to just... snap his spine in half. Like it wasn't huh, as brutal of a power bomb as he Good normally enough. does, but great athleticism by Wardlow before of hopping up there. I mean, just it looks like a Lesnar like freak athlete. Uh, and like you mentioned too, orange Cassidy, uh, not one of my favorites either, just cause it, comedy and wrestling is an acquired taste, but he, he was entertaining as fuck in this match. Did a lot of good stuff just from the very beginning of rolling out, which is funny. Perfect. Um, his <laughs> hands in his pockets as he climbs up the ladder, <laughs> the skinning, the cat, just all good shit with orange Cassidy in this match, but he didn't need to win. And Wardlow, I uh, needed this victory and, uh, it's going to be exciting to see what happens with, the storyline of when he cashes in the brass ring brother. Yeah. I wonder, cause if anyone didn't really have the spotlight in the match, it was Christian. And I wonder if he was kind of put in there to be like the ring general of the oh, ladder yeah. match because no one else really kind of had their bearings in that. I'm sure. But if he, if that was the case, he did a great job. Cause that was fantastic. Yeah, he did. And he didn't look out of place or sad. Mm-hmm. We talked before about how, like, I don't want to see Jeff Hardy in AEW only because of the temptation of having him go through a 20 foot ladder and 
potentially break his neck again. Like, I just don't need to see him take those ridiculous ass spots. But Christian looked very young. Uh, you don't need to bash wrestlers appearances per se, but like, look the difference between edge and Christian, <laughs> just like the beautiful Christian <laughs> looks compared to edge. Yeah. And um, uh, yeah, this match had a lot of innovative spots. Like it wasn't like by the numbers ladder match things where, you know, they do a, you know, sunset flip power bomb. And that's like the, Ooh, that's the big moment. Like it was stuff that you haven't seen before and they yeah. did things a little bit differently. And it wasn't just a, by the numbers ladder match. And it didn't have so many contrived spots of just sleeping on the outside. And all of a sudden someone would come and do their move and then leave and then sleep. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, that kind of shit. So it felt a little bit more fresh. I like keeping it, keeping it like tidy too, with only like two, ra- uh, two ladders in the ring and, Yes. one gimmicked one it wasn't just six ladders and 12 guys on both sides just like some of the money in the bank matches we get to see in, in wwe it's just a little more clean not so much frivolous bullshit happening all around no and that, that's a good point and i wasn't thinking about that because it does kind of take away the well then just fucking climb it idiot like why aren't you just like, just yeah it, it is one of those like logic things that gets lost in a scramble scrum ladder match but you're right it's so true like fucking climate you don't need to have 10 ladders out there because it looks makes you look stupid for not trying to win the match and great moment with that too when there's only the one ring in there with um team taz ricky starks and hobbs just like fist bump and then the race to the top to try and grab that brass ring that's fantastic just a little funny moment in the whole match overall loved it and and this match worked too with bigger guys and i hope they're gonna have big guys in ladder matches more because it was always the lean jericho benoit kind of guys or christian type guys uh so i hope we'll get some more bigger folks in ladder matches to come because uh you know, they stole the show. If that was your taste, if you like big guys in ladder matches, this was your match of the night. Um, so maybe this is the least uh, artistically pleasing match of the night. Jade Cargill defeating Tay Conti, but not a bad match, just a TV match. What were your thoughts? Oh, uh, not artistically pleasing. That that kiss in the beginning and then later on, just that's art right there. Yeah, that, that was, was that was that was quite pleasing. Right. <laughs> <laughs> no but uh this was actually a very surprising match uh jade cardigill is she's been great on that goldberg run but i mean no match has ever definitely shined like this match i think we kind of said it was still like a two-star match but it was two and some change uh she definitely she definitely shined um I, that's a great finisher that whatever beth phoenix's finisher back in the day um ty conti was great uh there was a lot of potatoes thrown Jade's way. Or yeah. Jade was thrown, I should say, that Anna J table spot there. It was a little nasty the way she kicked her there. But it really surprised me. It was um, at this point, I was definitely going to leave early and not watch the main event. But then I realized around this point, everything's hitting on all cylinders. Stay, do not miss a moment. You have to watch all of this. And it was, it was plenty worth it. Yeah, uh, I like what you mentioned, too, about the potatoes. Jade can really throw them. Um, sometimes you get like concerned in the sense of like, OK, she like a Nia Jax, but eh, she can just she she can hit and it just feels very authentic and real. And it makes you like that performer kind of like a Lesnar, just that sense of realism. And she's a true real athlete. Yeah. Uh, Got to love the kiss to start off the match. Yes, her outfit was great. The great. Jade from Mortal Kombat was that? Yeah. Yeah, something for Mortal Kombat. Katana. Yeah, I don't. I think a Jade. I Jade makes sense. Yeah, I was. I couldn't get the combos ever. I was bad. Yeah, no <laughs> dexterity in the fingers. I lost interest. Like I, I only wanted to see friendship finishers in Mortal Kombat two, and after that, I was like, okay, I'm good. I don't need to see <laughs> this game. Um, but yeah, uh, Anna J had good involvement, looked like, uh, just God, they had a couple of shots to each other that were good. And this was Jade's one of Jade's better matches. Yeah. It was a two-star match, but it was fine for what it was. It didn't need to be a four-star match. Um, I mean, that would have been great if we got one, but at the same point, like her character needs to win in a dominant fashion. It doesn't need to have a 10 minute match. It just doesn't make sense artistically for where she's going as a character. And that's okay to not have a 10 minute match that's uh, full of false finishers and reversals. Yeah. And we can really see Sammy Guevara rubbing off on Ty Conti as she now does the I'm crazy finger <laughs> yeah. thing. And she's like, God damn it. It did get a little bit of backlash online of like people going like, oh, okay. <laughs> stupid. But... As if we didn't know they were dating. Right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> subtle nod, subtle nod. Yeah. They, they almost came off like, uh, 
you know your favorite reality show too some korean uh yeah, we'll get we'll discuss that. I'll, oh, I'll, we'll discuss. Okay, okay. I'll fall on a bullet later, but uh, okay, we'll yes. discuss that later. All right, so let's go into the real uh, other magical couple, the couple of the year, CM Punk and MJF. They delivered in a dog collar match. What were your thoughts on this one? Start to finish, this was great. Um, I wasn't really uh, aware of the old CM Punk entrance song um, by AFI, whatever it was called. I was l- listening to it earlier. But that was fantastic. It was very dark and ominous. And the way he comes out in the white shorts, his old ring gear from Ring of Honor, fantastic. Perfect timing with the purchase of Ring of Honor. This, the way they just kind of stood across from each other, just like uh, Valentine and Piper, fantastic. The whole thing, the way MJF just kind of from the beginning didn't understand, like you can't really get away from him. You can't, if you go out of the ring, he's just going to choke you back into the ring. Um, we only saw one really kind of messy spot where they got tangled up in the rope. So they both did a great job kind of having their awareness about them. The blood in this match was just insane. I've, I'm red, green, colorblind, and I could tell how red that was. That was. Oh, really? Yeah. It's, it's very subtle. It like slights kind of shades. Um, we're, we're all learning things about each other here, but, um, Yeah. It was just so crimson. MJF didn't do that great of a job himself getting bloody, but nonetheless, fantastic. I don't want to take all the spotlight of this match from you, but the way it ended, I thought that was fantastic. The way Wardlow came out. But what were your thoughts? Yeah, I liked it too. Um, It it was methodical without being boring or too slow. I mean, they're going to use chain spots where they choke Mm -hmm. and where they drag each other and they wrap their fists up and they hit each other. Some of those spots though, with just whipping each other in the back, um, punk's back looked nasty. That was brutal. And that looked very real. Cause like part of you as a fan thinks that this is a gimmick chain, um, or a section of the audience could believe that. Like if you're watching it for the first time, you may not think this is a real chain, but that looked, like a legitimate, they went to fucking Ace Hardware before the show and bought that. You could hear some clanging. Yeah. At least. Um, that has to be brutal on your neck, too. Like, I oh, don't know yeah. how that doesn't take a lot of years off your life. And, like, that could be permanently damaging to your neck. Um, so a little bit scary in, in time, especially when they do kind of the hanging spots or just whipping each other around like that just looked like it fucking hurt. Um, a lot of brutality in this. They used thumbtacks. Uh, CM Punk, uh, he, he put a tweet out before the show of like, he had like a Gallagher meme and said like, okay, first three rows, you're going to have to wear the uh, uh, shower Punchos. curtains like at a Gallagher gig. Uh, and it was very gory and just, he bled like a motherfucker and just gory, gory blood job, a uh, blade job here. Um, you kind of saw it on camera. Actually, at one point you just see him kind of poke in there, but yeah, yeah. whatever, it's fine. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it's fucking it's CM Punk. And, I, and, and to like going back to what you mentioned too at the beginning of the match, special entrance, uh, hearkening back to ROH. But I love how every match on pay-per-view has a different outfit that fits with the storyline and kind of says something about where he's wrestling and where he's at. Uh, they have a meaning to it. It's not just like, Cam is going to wear this for whatever purpose. Like it's, he's, he's signaling something. Um, so yeah, Wardlow at the end. I love this even more in hindsight. I watched the ending again and I loved how Wardlow doesn't really help punk though. He just, I mean, of of course he does like, but he, he leaves it there and makes punk get it. Like there's no love, uh, love lost there. I'll give you the bullet. It's up to you to put it in the chamber. Yes, exactly. And I, I like that more than him throwing it to him or whatever like that. Now, granted that was hilarious. The whole like, oops, I don't have it. That shit was awesome. And so perfect and a great way to wrap up this, the, the kind of the three-way feud that they kind of had to a little bit. And it naturally segues into MJF and Wardlow next. And that'll be a great, great storyline. Uh, just love what they did there at the finish. And like the, the timing of the match too works perfectly. You've Wardlow's already picked up the brass ring. He's confident as hell. He's, he knows what he's going to do. He doesn't really give a fuck about MJF anymore, but uh, he just comes out and gives him the business. It was great. And kind of a moment that I feel like gets lost in it was the, when MJF's like, give me the fucking mic. Oh, and yeah. They have that little moment. And he's just eat shit, Max. And the crowd starts <laughs> chanting. And that was, that was great. Just so early on that. And there's so much more to come that the, the fact that he's trying to get out of it that early. Great. And it was those stomps to his hand when the, 
uh, the chain was wrapped around. That's brutal. like if that's that's a true chain, that's fucking crazy. That. Yeah, and the wrapping his knee around the chain too, and hitting um, the steel. It, that yeah. that has to hurt on the yeah. on the steps. Like I think we see it so many times in wrestling where it loses its. Oh, Shine. maybe that hurts, but like yeah. that, I would imagine that doesn't feel nice. Yeah, you 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 mess with some cartilage there or something. Uh, yeah. Uh, did you get a chance to listen to the post show scrum and hear CM Punk's interview? No, I haven't. Okay, well, I recommend anyone who's listening to this go and after you finish, you know, listening to this and subscribing it and giving us a five star yeah. review, of course, go and listen to that because. Uh, Great commentary by CM Punk is the most emotional and vulnerable he's ever been in public. I would think he was crying and just talking about um, how much this match meant to him and how much it took out of him and what this run has done for him. He talked about ring of honor. We'll talk about that at the end, but highly recommend to listen to that. Um, He brought up how grateful he was to be able to have this run. And he referenced Bret Hart and said like he wished Bret Hart would have had the chance to go to Saudi Arabia. Bret Hart would have had the opportunity to have a nostalgia run where he got to work with great talent that appreciates him being there. Um, just a great, great interview and, and great Q&A with CM Punk because he was very vulnerable and he had said he'd been crying all day long. Um, not crying from the pain, obviously, but just crying from all the emotion of how this whole storyline, just everything seemed to come full circle for him with this. This whole stint in AEW has got to be pretty just surreal to him at this point. Like tag teaming with the the future and Darby in the past and staying to having this dog collar match with MJF. It just, it just seems like he's on like a huge retirement tour that just continues to get better and better. Hopefully he doesn't retire. Yeah, anytime and soon. He talked about being grateful and how could you not, especially with the things he was facing. If you think about it, like just a few years ago, he could have been sued um, into poverty. Yeah. And they just put it back. Well, it's business pal. And they would have had no problem suing him and taking all the money he earned in his career away. Uh, and he had a lot riding on that and he didn't make it as a UFC fighter. That was a goal and a dream of his, and it didn't come true, but he tried, but he didn't make it. So mm-hmm. it just, it's interesting to see where he is now, but how difficult and how, uh, how hard he worked to get to where he is. So of course he appreciates it. And this storyline is one of the best angles the AEW's ever done. I think that's inarguable. This is probably the best storyline. Yes. Uh, maybe people will say Hangman and Kenny Omega, which is fine. But this is one of the best storylines in wrestling history. And it culminated in a fantastic way. This was the perfect blow off. Uh, they can go their separate paths and Punk can do something different now. And we'll be yeah. excited to see what he does. Yeah, yeah, it's a very easy kind of split of the two. Uh, they both have their easy easy directions to follow. It's not like a WWE booking with someone you know is going to have to get their win back. So great to see. Yeah. All right. So uh, speaking of WWE, I thought this match was like the most sports entertainment e match on the show. Dr. Britt Baker going over Thunder Rosa just with the outside. Inter- yes, we did the Sean did yeah, the finger things for those of you that can't see us. Uh, <laughs> uh, I, I think in terms of the outside interference, this felt like a WWE match. Very much. Not a, necessarily a bad thing. This match had it would have been hard to follow um, the dog collar match. What were your thoughts on it? Yeah, definitely a victim of just timing in the match. I think you could have flipped this around with uh, the Jay Cargill and Ty Conti match and given it a little better timing. But yeah, the fact that there was just so much interference that maybe they kind of knew they had to be a bit of a blow off between the two hypedest matches of the night. Um, I'm happy that I was correct. I know Alex likes to call himself a Swami, but I definitely called the dentist DMD the winner. And there was a little bet, but uh, I'll fall on the sword. I I am the one who said Daniel Bryan. So I will do a review of the outstanding YouTube series, Carmella and Corey. That won a shitload of Emmys, didn't it? You would think, but unfortunately, yeah. it was probably just like not the right timing. They were outside of the, oh, yeah. the window, but yeah, everything. Yeah, they get screwed. Yeah, Before maybe that. it'll win the Nobel. Who knows? 
Um, <laughs> yeah, I, I think this match had a for, an unfortunate timing in terms of what they had to follow, but something had to follow this match and this made sense for it to go there because the, uh, the women's title is a main belt and they can't have the uh, TBS title go later on in the show. So I think that's fair that this is where it was placed per se. Uh, love the new belt. That is one of the most beautiful title belts yeah. in wrestling. Yeah. I thought that was fantastic and fucking amazing. Uh, it was confirmed too, that that was, uh, belts by Dan made it and he referenced the uh, Mid-South North American title, which I fucking love, although that belt that. was way too big back in the day. Like it took up like Magnum TA's whole body. It was like the biggest goddamn belt in the history of <laughs> wrestling. But so it's nice to have like a slender, more feminine version of that belt. But Definitely. what a great looking championship title. Like if you think of this belt versus like the stupid ass spinner title and just some of the other Ooh. monstrosities that have been made over mm-hmm. the years, like this is a great pro wrestling belt classy beautiful yeah yeah all around great yeah i saw that the the nwa um symbolism in it and i was like oh chris called that last night that's perfect i even saw that there was like some etchings of um Riho and uh Rick Baker's like first yeah. couple matches for the thing in Trent like in the thing the gold uh, that's so cool just yeah beautiful just good to see them making their own history and in, in their belts yeah and it's a it's a good wrestling belt it doesn't have just the promotion and just the big letters like yeah the, I mean I it's fine but like the WWE world title or the UFC titles the are GNT. just so generic <laughs> Almost that, even the TNT and TBS, where it's just yeah. kind of branded, but it, it's still beautiful. Yeah, I, I was very happy with this belt. Uh, it looks like they're going to hold off on the title change, though, till, what is that, like Shamrock Slam or St. Patrick's Day yeah. Pandemonium, whatever Saint the hell Patrick, that yeah. show is going to be called. With, but uh, Th- Thunder Rosa is most likely going to challenge Britt Baker there. Maybe that's when they pull the trigger on it and have it in her hometown. Uh, that could be a cool moment. But That works part of you kind of feels like it was a missed opportunity. And there was a lot of outside interference in this too, where it just got uh, for me a little bit annoying because they put the work in, in the ring. There was a lot of great wrestling in this match. It couldn't have beat that uh, lights out unsanctioned match, but that's okay. It's fine. They could have still had a four star match. It didn't quite get there. Uh, but I think this is a match that in a vacuum, you could go back and watch and really enjoy minus yeah. the outside bullshit. It kind of gives the if Thunder Rosa is going to be the one to take the belt off, or it gives her that later story of like you you couldn't win the title when it meant something. You, you had to beat your way back up. You could do it when the lights were off, but here we are, my hometown. That that kind of works perfectly to take the belt off her. And maybe that's when you can facilitate the split with Jamie Hader and uh, Britt Baker. You know, maybe yeah. they can build a little bit that to uh, forge that. So, all right, let's go into the next match. This was my match of the night. I thought this was one of the best matches ever. Uh, John Moxley defeats Brian Danielson in a gory, bloody match. Yeah, this is just like body painting each other with your own blood. The- yeah. Early match kind of dominated by, I feel like, Brian, and then Mox kind of got his shit in there. I don't even know where to start with this match. It was just all around fantastic. Uh, the ending with uh, Regal coming out, whether he's going to be William or Steve, Stephen Regal. I would like Stephen a little more. That's pretty cool. But just so, so cool. Um, the fact that they Mox wins on the, the roll-up through the, the choke, and they continue the fight after the bell. Just, he's so pissed off. He can't take it. Just great. Um, so much blood. I, yeah. I n- haven't really ever been the biggest deathmatch fan or bloody fan. I, I like it a bit. It does its job, but this surpassed almost everything I feel like I've seen, but fantastic use. Yeah. And it's hard to like, you know, you think with the blood and guts of the dog collar match, can you make a match that's more physical and violent, but it was in its own way, which you know, way. for each their own. Yeah. This was a great, uh, like another great match of, okay, if you like this type of wrestling, here you go. This was basically like, I don't know what you think about this, but it felt like it was like the block final of the G1. Yeah. You mentioned something like that last night where it seemed like it was just the, there was so much riding on the line and yeah. everyone was giving it up there all. And yeah, definitely. I, I could see a, and- a G1 block final. And you're and they were hitting so hard too, and it felt like a New Japan match without some of uh, 
not to shit on it, but sometimes main events in New Japan just go on for 20 minutes longer than they need to. Mm, the like the first build. act of a match seems so elongated and they're stalling or they're whatever the hell they're doing a little bit too long. This yeah. felt like uh, it had a kind of motor to it. Things I didn't catch last night that I saw when I watched it again today. Danielson just kicks the shit out of Moxley's guts. He did so many oh, like yeah. spin kicks in his guts and just like sidekicks and he, like Moxie's got to be peeing blood like legit. Right. Yeah. I forgot about that one that he hit in the, the corner that's spinning. Yeah. Oh my God. There yeah. were some brutal ones. And then Moxley kicked uh, Danielson in the back of the head and it was supposed to be, you know, where you kick someone in the back and you hear that kind of sound, but he just booted him in the back of the fucking melon. And it just looked <laughs> brutal. Um, so they did a lot of submission wrestling and strikes. And then they kind of had like this almost like a pause or like a TV timeout where they both were on the outside. The cameras went to the camera angles, went to a couple of like crane shots of the crowd. And then moxley comes up and he's gory as fuck and bleeding profusely and then the match just went in another high gear and so anytime danielson put on like a dragon sleep or a submission just the blood was coming down and moxley was bleeding it looked like it was from all angles of his head and it was just coming all over his body and danielson had it all over his chest too so it just feel felt like a kick-ass five-round ufc fight that was just intense as shit yeah there was a great shot where like you could just see the blood just streaming down like every little muscle crevice of mox's body fantastic that was so cool uh when they kind of got in the muay thai clinch and were throwing the elbows and knees moxley was just painting uh danielson with his blood so good there was some other spot in that match that was uh, well right before the finish was a great spot danielson is punching him in the face and he has some, he has them kind of like they're grappling and he just is legit potatoes oh to Moxley's face to get him to bleed more. And the blood is coming down and the camera caught it with a close up. And that's when Moxley did the, uh, the, the submission move into the pen. Yeah. Uh, but God damn, what a great match. It's an, again, an acquired taste. This may not be for everyone. It could be too gory or it could, could be too like new Japan for someone. I thought this was uh four and three quarter stars. I loved it. Yeah, uh, this is something I definitely I haven't gone back and rewatched the the show uh, yet. We're doing this less than twenty four hours; it's still fresh. But I think if I go back and watch, this will probably be my match of the night. I just off remembering, I had to probably give it to the dog collar match because it was so, I don't know, visceral and just in your face with the the violence. That that's where my match of the night went. But this definitely high quality wrestling. Four and a half, four and three quarters, whatever, whatever we agreed upon. Good yeah. shit. All right, so let's go to the next match. Uh, we had Darby Allen, Sting, and Sammy going over Andrade, Matt Hardy, and Isaiah Isaiah Cassidy. Uh, just a shit show of a match, but fun. So fun. It was. It was surprising. I was last week. I think we all said that. Hopefully, this is just quick. We all kind of know where it's going to go. But uh, I don't think we saw Sting going all the way into the crowd and jumping off the the, the balcony there. That was insane. Um, I love Darby's reaction. Like, holy shit, did this guy just do this after like watching me do all this shit? That's insane. Uh, that speaking of potatoes earlier, the the fucking uh, bag of potatoes that Andrade swung with that chair to Ugh. Darby. Just early on, he was he was going nuts. He the suplex suplex slam that he did with uh sammy onto the ring or the the barricade that was that was great um matt hardy kind of did what he did best of just leeching on to people and was always in the right spot to hit a one of his moves after someone else did something awesome and eat a pin get pissed off when the pin didn't work mm-hmm. by the other person uh really surprised me that's this is what i kind of was mentioning earlier this match really surprised me of it was fun. I was impressed. Yeah, I thought it was a Attitude Era main event, hardcore style match. Sure. It is what it is. You know, it was fun. But uh, yeah, Sting scared me, but he did a good job. He does not look like he's 62. There's nothing about him that looks uh, old. He looks younger than he did in his WWE run significantly. Definitely. He just carries himself like he's having fun and he's not 
in his head or going through the motions or just not as engaged. Like he just seems so vibrant mm-hmm. and shit. They may even want to do an angle where sting goes after the title or goes after the TNT title or something just to like give him another run. Like he's getting treated really well as a main event talent. So you'd like to see him, you know, have some arc when it is finally time to go. Yeah. Maybe that's like his last, last hurrahs, one last shot for the title. It's crazy to go back to his like little stint in WWE with how blown out he was in that match with Triple H at WrestleMania yeah. to how he's able to to keep along in some of these matches with Darby and all these other guys, young guys. So it's great to see the icon, the legend. Yeah. Um, and uh, you mentioned too that uh, Andrade chair shot to Darby. Darby and Andrade have great charisma and they have, a, they're, they're good dancing partners. I'd like to see them wrestle more. Yeah. Darby is someone who's just, willing to let anything happen to him in MJF or MJF. Um, Andrade is one of those guys who just really lets everything fly and gives every single move of his kind of just that realistic, holy crap, he's probably throwing a little bit of a potato. So mm-hmm. those two can really do uh, create some good drama in the ring. Yeah. They had a great uh, four and a quarter star match on Rampage on Friday. That's going to get forgotten with time, unfortunately, yeah. because Rampage was such a great show and it was so satisfying artistically, but that was a great fucking three-way match. Yeah. That did a great job to kind of get some interest going into this match of where, yeah. is there going to be some shit with uh, Sammy and Darby? And it kind of ended up with them maybe getting a little tighter of a bond. Yeah. Uh, I think they're going to have to reheat Andrade again, like we mentioned on the preview show, with uh, Hardy breaking up and teaming up with Jeff Hardy again. They're going to probably have to relaunch Andrade. The best way to do it is to have him wrestle someone like Darby all the time. Like If he's in the ring, he'll be able to get himself back over because he is so physically impressive. And he's a bigger guy than most guys on the roster. It's kind of like how big Billy Gunn looks when he's in the ring with people. You're like, oh, fuck, I didn't know Billy Gunn was that goddamn big. But Andrade is like, he is ripped. Yeah. uh, Alex was mentioning Buddy Matthews not being able to fit into like a regular size shirt. Andrade's chest just seems like it's like built out. He's got like the double pectoral muscles building out. It He's insanely jacked. He doesn't have Buddy Matthews nipples, but he does have his. Oh my God. Thank you for remembering that people go look at Buddy Matthews nipples from the buy-in show. They're, they're in the weirdest spot and they're the weirdest shade of color. It's just two little bee stings. Yeah. I mean, I'm as heterosexual as Mike Pence, but boy, oh boy, that, uh, (laughs) my eyes are just drawn to those nipples. I don't know. We're just admiring, not for love, but just sight. (laughs) They just, yeah, it's not that we wanted to put them in our mouth. We just were noticing them. Just notice, yeah. Maybe we should take that out. We'll see. <laughs> Keep it in. Be the people Keep it, it in. Okay, fuck it. All right, let's go to the main event. Uh, Hangman Adam Page defeats Adam Cole. Uh, NXT TakeOver match. I mean, people made that comment on wrestling Twitter, but it whatever, mm. it kind of fits. Yeah. Um, you went back and watched the whole show. Did you get to see the weird, um, like, Halo jacket that uh adam cole come, came out in Did no I, I i i started watching the show again i've watched it most of it again today but i got i skipped the entrances and i'm only at like maybe halfway through this match okay it just just so weird uh it looks so weird to see him little scroll he's already wearing like a, a jacket that's two sizes too big for him uh to have this giant stuff on it that was kind of weird but this match again was kind of surprising like there was so much going on in this pay-per-view that the the main event title match didn't really need to be the the biggest draw of the whole thing but it ended up being fantastic yeah um i saw something too of someone giving some props to uh hangman page for wearing the he had like the the rainbow trim on his thing uh in florida after they they tried to announce that don't say gay bill in uh, schools uh stupid bullshit but good on hangman the teacher that he used to be just a real role model um he's a fantastic wrestler i loved the the damage done to his uh right arm so he couldn't really hit that buckshot lariat but in the end he got it in we see some little fuckery with uh red dragon and if you watch uh, being the elite we kind of see a little dissension with the relationship between the young bucks and adam cole so I'd like to see where this is going to go. Yeah. 
I, I like I same thing. I think it'll be exciting to see where it goes. Main event in an A and W AEW show has got to be like trying to main event in, in ECW show and try to be like the most violent match after all the shit that went on during the yeah. undercard. It's got to be hard to do, but they uh, did a fantastic job. This was a really, really good match. Hangman delivers in the main event slot again. Um, you had been watching, you said yesterday that you've been watching some of the old Attitude Era WrestleManias. Doesn't Hangman wrestle like Austin just in the sense of how relentless he is and how much he's always going and he's fighting and fighting and fighting. He's not just always selling and getting the shit kicked out of him. Yeah, and he's not playing it kind of dumb like, oh, I'm I'm actually in charge of this match. He's He knows he is. He's, he's yeah. kicking the shit out of him. He's methodical and he's going to just break you down and eventually hit that stunner or the lariat. Yeah. I like how he wrestles. He carries himself again. And I've said this a lot of times, but I think what stands out about him is he doesn't, he doesn't wrestle like a dumbass. His character isn't stupid and he's not a pussy and he's not a coward or something like that. Like he's a man's man yeah. who wants to fight and he takes it to you through the whole match. Him and Adam Cole have really, really great chemistry. I know they're going to move on and go in different directions, but love to see them wrestle again. I think they would have a banger of a match. You got to see the real Adam Cole now. I think people were disappointed perhaps with where the storyline was going or they didn't see Adam Cole as being the most dominant challenger and they didn't think he was going to win. But when you give Adam Cole time in a main event, he certainly does deliver and he can put on a match that's very convincing his false finishes, of course, we knew they were going to happen, but they looked real and you thought the suspension of disbelief was there where you thought, oh, fuck, maybe he'll win. Yeah. Yeah. Speaking of delivering that, he hit that perfect timed uh, super kick as Hangman was doing the yes. backflip uh. off the top rope. There's a shot on, I think it was on Reddit. We should uh, get that on the Instagram story or somewhere because fantastic little shot from that amazing match. Yeah. Both of them, great. I loved uh, Hangman coming to the taking out uh, Adam Cole's moves, doing the uh, the boom shot or whatever yeah. it's called, the hitting a super kick, which he doesn't really hit too often. So fantastic. Uh, they definitely have some little code of honor there at the end. Great way to end the match. That was cool too. Yes, I forgot about that, how he made it. He like shook his hand by force. <laughs> yeah. So smart. Uh, love that move with Hangman too. And uh, yeah, not a surprise at the end. There wasn't a debut. There wasn't someone coming in to challenge mm-hmm. him. It was just a straight finish and letting hangman have his moment which i'm fine with again if you do so many surprises every damn week when there's a big moment or a big show it dilutes the idea of a surprise so i'm fine with that uh all in all i thought this was oh you have a thing you want to say sean oh yeah i just i kind of mentioned being the elite with that um the adam cole relationship but also there was a little moment with uh the dark order and hangman after hangman kind of just pushed alex reynolds off of him in that so i wonder what that'll do with his kind of story arc going forward. Yeah, we'll see. Um, Because maybe that's a challenge for him to get him to, I don't know, maybe he beats uh, John with a Huggy or Hungy, whatever. He beats him for a while. or um, Yeah, yeah, takes on some of the Dark Order guys just to segue into maybe a CM Punk feud or maybe whomever the hell feud next. Uh, Yeah, so all in all, this was one of the best pay-per-views of all time. I think that's inarguable. Probably in most people's top 10, not the most historic, but I think from top to bottom, uh, so, so artistically satisfying. There was what four to five, uh, four star match plus on this show, which you don't really see that often. This was, um, on the par with classic shows like WrestleMania X seven and great American bash, 1989, just all time historic, uh, pay-per-view. And it continues this amazing run that AEW has had of, the last two pay-per-views before were amazing too, but this really did have something for everyone. And it was the best of that. Something for everyone it was the yeah. very best representation of every kind of niche for a mm-hmm. fan. Uh, what I love about new Japan wrestling is that it's just, you're going to get good quality wrestling. You're not going to get the sports entertainment filler throughout the whole thing. And this pay-per-view was absolutely great quality wrestling throughout the whole thing. I would, this is what you show to a non-fan to be like, yeah, this this is fun. This is intense. This is some somewhat real, legitimate, hard way blood. This, the way they're fucking around with the ring are the the ladders, the the chains, all very much great. Definitely the best pay per view I've watched live on pay per view in my lifetime. I loved how this show was 
so expertly paced. It was four hours, but it didn't feel like it was dragging. It kept moving continuously, and there weren't silly commercials. There wasn't a fucking Miz advertisement with with Cricket Wireless. There wasn't a Drew McIntyre animated toy. There wasn't the annoying shit that you see in WWE. There wasn't um, any of the stupid outside things. And granted, that brings money to the promotion and whatever. That's good in theory, but... Sure. I liked that this was so well paced and intense and there was no quarter and it just was so smoothly ran. Yeah. The only time you get a little reprieve from action in the ring is them announcing Swerve is yeah. in it and the crowd went wild. It was fantastic. I love the reaction. It's clearly Swerve's house. I I went all the way to Seattle to go see him live wrestle. He's great. I can't wait to see him. He's definitely going to have some uh, dream matches to come. Yeah. Okay. So let's go into, uh, before we wrap up the episode, let's go into the big news that happened last week. Before we get into those big news, I had a little surprise news. Oh, shit. Okay. It's nothing big. Just we all hope for the health and safety of all wrestlers. I saw online that Buff Bagwell is going to live with Diamond Dallas Page in the accountability crib. So we never want to hear about a wrestler of the past, even if they're as sleazy as Buff Bagwell, because he's buffing the stuff. Just good for him for hopefully getting on track with life. If the way oh, he's yeah. no, yeah. Out, he, so. uh, Just, yeah, he definitely went through rough times. He was on like that gigolo show and like, that yeah. was weird. And like, yeah, it's, um, it's easy to pick on someone when they're down and, uh, it's 2022 and we need to bring people yeah. up and encourage the, taking accountability of your actions and doing the steps to be better. Yeah. Good for him. I'm glad that he's got gotten help too. That's a good thing. And, uh, he's got a lot of scars probably like his story. Like he was like a stripper in uh, yeah, Atlanta. Um, you know, it, it, he probably does have, he's probably encountered things that like, you don't think that, Oh, that would really haunt you or that'd be really traumatizing to deal with. So, Hey, whatever. Um, Hopefully he gets help. And actually, you know, he signed uh, an autograph for me. My uncle Craig and him worked out at the same gym. Uh, uh, yeah. Same uncle Craig that tells those great stories. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. We all know Uncle Craig. Yeah, Uncle Craig's a legend. Um, so that puts uh, Buff Bagwell over John Madden in your books. Yes. Yes. Oh, very much no. so. Yeah. This okay. guy actually well. did the honors, you know. <laughs> Good I think it was funny though. Cause like I got it from my birthday one year and it was like, hello, Christopher, glad you're a fan or so, it's just like the most like, but I was like, Oh, that's goddamn buff bag. Well, it was like, that's a, it, it was like a headshot. Like he was like trying to be on some shows or something. It wasn't Buffed like out. him posing. It was just like a close up of his face from years ago. <laughs> it wasn't like even like the current iteration of buff Bagwell. So, Hey, I always have a soft spot for the guy. Hopefully he gets his shit fixed with DDP. I would have loved to hear the conversation between Buff and your uncle. That would have been hilarious. <laughs> a very long-winded conversation for yeah. sure. <laughs> okay, so uh, we're getting towards the end of the show here. We don't want to bloviate too much longer, but let's talk about the sale of Ring of Honor. So what were your thoughts? I think you were more of a Ring of Honor fan than any of us, right? Um. No? I kind of I kind of picked up around probably the same time as Alex. We started okay. going to those shows live, but I never really, at that point, getting back into my wrestling fandom, um, kind of around at college, 2011. I didn't really know that too much about Ring of Honor, didn't really watch it, but um, obviously there's been some of the greatest wrestlers of all time have come out of having stints in Ring of Honor. I think it's great. Hopefully we get a good um, place for their library on a streaming site. Um, I wonder what it means for uh, WrestleMania weekend with the Supercard of Honor show. Um, can we kind of screw there? We're going to be New Japan strong, but that's going to be a great show nonetheless. Um, I think it's exciting. You mentioned, and I hope you get into the the business side of it, where it just doesn't really make sense. It's kind of at a loss, but I just uh, I hope for good things, but I, I don't truly see the the necessity for it or the purpose of Ring of Honor at this point anymore. Like you kind of mentioned. Yeah, it's funny with hindsight, I I thought about um, because in the post, you know, uh, show scrum, 
Tony Khan talked about how he's essentially going to book it and he's going to run it as another territory. It sounds like it may be developmental, which is like, uh, eh. and in my, the, in my article on wrestling I mentioned that I didn't see the necessity of having this be a touring entity because essentially AEW beat ring of honor. They're in the position that they're in because the marketplace said, we like what AEW does as ring of honor as a better version of it. So I just didn't see the necessity of it kind of like how the marketplace chose again, WWE over WCW and the NWA over mid South. Now when a company owns their competition, we've never seen, um, a wrestling company have two separate entities and do it well because if ego is involved and you want to make one look better than the other. So if anyone could pull it off, it is Tony Khan. I just, on the surface, I don't see it as the brightest idea because as again, I mentioned in that article, if you're going to want to see Brian Danielson, do you want to see him under AEW or ring of honor? What's going to draw the most? And I think for a casual fan, maybe AEW just has more equity as a brand. Um, and there's going to be people who do want to see Ring of Honor again. Don't get me wrong. And it could be a fantastic development opportunity Definitely. or developmental opportunity. But um, yeah, it's just like we, we've just never seen a wrestling company own multiple promotions and do it with respect and treat it well and not just focus all one intention on one brand and they make the other property devalued. So again, maybe Tony can pull it off. Yeah. And yeah, I definitely think that AEW is the place to do it. The, the the guys in the back just seem so friendly, so willing to better the business, not better themselves. Um, and maybe it kind of works as a way for them to kind of soft break into some markets that they haven't got into. Because, I mean, God knows they finally hit Detroit after Good call. almost yeah. two years, three years. So yeah. maybe they can do some soft tests with some of their developmental people and see how they draw at small shows and base their um, – whatever building size they want to rent out in that area later. I don't know, but hopefully, hopefully just good comes of this. I think it probably can't go that wrong. Tony Khan will do a great job as he's done. I I'm just kind of in the, the shadows of where it truly goes. Yeah. Um, the other thing I wanted to mention too. So, uh, one of the things that got punk really emotional in the, uh, Q and a after the show, he, uh, was so happy that, Tony has it as opposed to Vince because he's like Vince owns so much of my legacy already. So I'm glad that it's going in the person who's going to treat it with the most respect and is going to take, take it as a privilege and an honor to own this. And he was very emotional about that. And a lot of the wrestlers, um, hangman Adam page was kind of the same way. He was super excited about it. So there is a reverence in backstage with the guys that they really want to see Tony own it. Um, and they don't want to see Vince own it. And that's again, very telling that people within the industry don't want to see Vince own the rights to this stuff, because as punk said, it's just going to be, um, a shitty app on a, uh, or it's going to be a shitty feature on an app that doesn't work. I did see something about that now that you kind of quoted some of that. I saw some of that on Reddit. Um, yeah, I, it definitely kind of has like its cult following within the business of the wrestlers because it was kind of not quite as much as P- PWG or AEW's kind of been, but it's been for the boys, by the boys-esque yeah. where they they have the freedom to do their things and they know that, that's, that their creative control is not being a narrative put out by an old man jacked up on aggression and, and, um, Ico pro. Yeah. And, and like too, you know, it'll be fun to see it when it does stream and, you know, invariably wherever it's going to be at, if it's going to be on HBO max or their own streaming service, whatever the hell, um, I didn't get to see a lot of summer of punk. Um, I didn't get to see a lot of Kevin Steen at the time. So there's a lot of folks that I want to get a chance to check out that I just didn't get to see. And I think it'll be fun to watch some of those shows that are in the vault that could be just great uh, moments that you didn't get a chance to stumble on yet. Yeah. And shame on us uh, for not being fans at the right time. Kevin Steen's last Ring of Honor match was in Dearborn, Michigan. So we really missed out at a a perfect time. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well. Hopefully we don't miss out anymore on some shows. We're, we can hopefully there, watch a lot that. of wrestling coming around in uh, Michigan again. We have AEW yeah, that's yeah. coming in July. Is it July or June? Uh, June, end of June, June. into Fourth uh, of July weekend. GCW is coming back to Harpo's. Yeah. So I'm excited for that. I definitely want to go. 
Um, and then uh, even WWE is going to be here uh, the week after the Raw after Mania. So we're getting our, our little bit of uh, wrestling. Yeah, we're certainly on a good kick of wrestling. And we'll be talking more uh, live events and exciting WrestleMania talk as we go uh, onto the march to WrestleMania. We have only few weeks left we are excited as fuck to go Cannot to dallas that's going to be a lot of fun so we'll do some bonus episodes and some uh wrestlemania based content on wrestling elitist.com in if the weeks coming there, up if you're out in dallas we might have a little surprise uh gift for you if you're a fan of the show if you somehow know us if you somehow have stalked us on the internet and know our faces and see us out there we might have a little sticker for you but uh we might see you around in Dallas. That's all we're saying. Yeah, we're, we're going to do some fucking gorilla market, some like street street art. On it's the street. Be like, street team. Yeah, street. MTV street, street team. <laughs> Bringing you back. We'll fucking pay you in four locos and energy drink. <laughs> Just <laughs> shove it down your throat and throw a sticker <laughs> on your chest. But no, we'll, uh, we're going to uh, print off a lot of wrestling elitist gimmicks and stick those on everything. It's going to be like the the shepherd fairy andre the giant thing we'll try to get a shitload of those going and pass it around <laughs> dallas so that'll wrap us up today um we're at a little bit over an hour here so let's get out of here uh we want you to again please uh, follow us on spotify itunes subscribe wherever you get your podcast give us a five-star review and check us out on twitter and instagram at wrestling elitist podcast Visit us at WrestlingElitist.com for our latest match reviews and articles. We're going to have an in-depth write-up of Revolution later on this week and then some other content that's WrestleMania-related in the weeks to come up to WrestleMania 38. So help support the show and the website by sharing our content with your friends that are fans of wrestling. And we are out of here. Rick Rude, take them home. Hit the music.